This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Well, the Super Bowl is here Sunday. Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. To keep it college football-centric, of course, we're going to look at these players involved in the Super Bowl and what they look like as recruits. And, of course, some of the guys that maybe we fell through the cracks we didn't necessarily notice or the guys that obviously lived up to the hype and everything this is a it's a strange time of year when people try to talk about underdog stories because hey that's the american dream and the super bowl is the ultimate event hello i'm brandon marcello this is the college football daily it is friday february 11th to better break down nfl players in the super bowl and what they look like as recruits and where we rated them i'm bringing in chris hummer colleague at 24 seven sports chris um you did a pretty good short piece just straight to the point it seems like every year we get to this this week at super bowl week and people want to talk about you know what not everybody in this game is a five star a lot of two star guys in this game but yeah there's some two star guys but it isn't like they make up the entire roster in fact more five stars are on these rosters than you would see obviously when they're in college this is my favorite week of the year because it just really shows that a lot of people don't know how to do basic math. <laughs> it's, uh, recruiting rankings. I don't want to just drown people with numbers, so I'll try to make this brief. There are 12 five stars in the Super Bowl this week on the active rosters. So that's 106 active roster spots. So that's 11.3% of players in the game. And I know people at home that don't pay attention to recruiting or don't want to deal with math are thinking like 11.3% doesn't sound like a lot. But it's important to remember that only one out of about 125 recruits conservatively are five stars. So that's 0.8% of recruits who are five stars like coming out of high school. It's very difficult to be a five star. Based on that math, a five star is more than 10 times as likely to be in the Super Bowl than a two star or I'm sorry, not than a two star than any other recruit in the country. Four star, three star, two star, not ranked. It is a five star is 10 times more likely to be in the Super Bowl than an average high school prospect. That's how I mean, I'm not going to say recruiting rankings are perfect. They're definitely not. And I'm sure we'll get to some of those examples. But like the recruiting rankings matter. That's 11% of the game. And then on top of that, I believe 43% of Super Bowl starters are four-star or five-star players, blue chip recruits. That's almost 50%. And on a any given cycle, four and five star players represent nine to ten percent of um, players in a recruiting class. So you're four times more likely to start in the Super Bowl as a four or five star recruit as you would be if you played any other position. So recruiting rankings definitely matter. And I hope when we hear people talk about how stars don't matter and how recruiting rankings are wrong, they look at the math a little bit more. Yeah, but Chris, the the Kelsey brothers, they weren't ranked and one was, one was only a two star. 
No, I, I mean, it's you're exactly right. But always there, there's interesting stories to follow in these Super Bowls. And we always tend to gravitate toward the guys that are superstars that weren't ranked or came from nothing or for that matter, switch positions and all of a sudden they're a breakout. And I mean, listen, and those obviously are great stories, but the fact of the matter remains stars matter and uh it has proven itself throughout college football and then to the next level in the nfl history shows it the numbers show it facts are facts folks but you look at this eagles and chiefs rosters when you've got listen you got left tackle for the eagles who didn't even play college football tight end for the philadelphia eagles played at south dakota state and obviously was not ranked as a recruit in fact the eagles just on offense themselves they've got four players that are starters that weren't ranked or, heck, didn't even play college football. Then meanwhile, you go to the Kansas City Chiefs, which obviously has a very heavy kind of SEC and Big Ten flavor across its roster. So a lot of those guys were ranked. In fact, the only player on that starting roster for the Kansas City Chiefs that didn't start is defensive tackle Kalen Saunders, who came from Western Illinois. Everybody else on that defense as a starter was rated at least a three-star all the way up to a five-star, two five-star recruits previously on that Kansas City Chiefs defense, including, of course, the massive defensive tackle Chris Jones from Mississippi State, who was number 18 overall in the 2013 recruiting class, and Carlos Dunlap, the linebacker from Florida, who was number 14 overall way back in the 2007 class. So... Really, there's three because George Karlaftis was a composite four star, but he was a top 20 guy for us in the 20. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so, not in the composite uh, a five star, but for us for 24 seven sports was a we five star. Were, yeah, we were talking about five stars. Like, for example, Devonte Smith was a four star in the composite, but he was a five star for us at 24 seven sports. Like AJ Brown was, I think, a five star for us at 24 seven sports as well. So if you expand the scope out, like you can find more of these guys on the rosters, too. I mean, obviously, I hope everybody here pays attention to 24 seven sports. I assume <laughs> you're listening to college football daily here, but there are multiple recruiting services. So sometimes you get different five star results. We were talking about this on the, another show on our 24 seven sports YouTube page, the co- college football today about the lack of former five star <laughs> quarterbacks who have gone on to play in the Super Bowl or won a Super Bowl. And we were sitting there discussing like, why is that? And best answer we could come up with is it's just difficult. It's difficult, one, to maintain that that stature with all that pressure as a quarterback. And also, these five-star recruits who end up getting drafted usually are going to the lower-tier teams in the NFL because with the early draft picks. And so it's very difficult to get in that spot. You know, whereas with Jalen Hurts, they're working in a very interesting spot here in the rookie uh, contract because they are spending more money to get in the weeds here. The Eagles were spending more money to buy better players to surround Jalen Hurts with other than investing completely in Jalen Hurts. So it's all it's all about context, people. And so when you look at this and you go, man, where, where are the five-star quarterbacks when it comes to the Super Bowl? Well, there's a lot that goes into it. It's not as just as simple as, well, this guy just didn't pan out. A lot of it's just circumstance for these guys. And having said that, Jalen Hurts in the composite, four-star guy quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles and everybody's talking about. And of course, we know Patrick Mahomes and his story for the Chiefs coming out of Texas Tech. He was a three-star recruit, but obviously we saw something there after a few years at Texas Tech that he might end up being a special quarterback. Maybe not as amazing as we've seen right now, but again, let's place this into it. When we talk about these quarterbacks, Chris, what 
has made Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes so successful going into this Super Bowl. I think a lot of us kind of understand Mahomes, but for Jalen Hurts, his path was a little bit different. Going to Alabama, then leaving to go to OU, where he ended up being an absolute stellar star. But for us, when we look at these quarterbacks, did we quote-unquote get it wrong with them, or is this just a matter of circumstance? I would say I, we touched on a, you touched on a couple of things there. I'd first like to say, like, while we haven't had any five stars in the Super Bowl, um, we do have very successful five-star quarterbacks in the NFL, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Kyler Murray. I think you could make an argument after this season are all top half of the league at their position, depending on how you feel about Kyler and Justin at this moment. But um, it's not like those guys haven't made it to the league. And quarterback, along with offensive line, I think are the two most difficult positions to project. Um, I obviously do not do the evaluating at 24-7 sports, but finding the traits that fit there um, are very difficult to project over a long period of time. I forgot about Tuatonga Valoa. He was a five-star as well. He would have been in the playoffs if not for concussion issues. In terms of Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, like Patrick Mahomes is somebody I followed for a long time. Um, I saw him play in high school a couple times. Um, one of the best high school quarterbacks I've ever seen in person. I think part of what was holding Patrick Mahomes back in high school, and this is true of teams recruiting him, was the fact that a lot of people thought he'd play baseball and follow his dad's path. I think in this era of recruiting evaluation, that probably would not have hurt his recruiting profile um, and his evaluation as much as it did back then. But it was a consideration at that time. Um, He also committed pretty early to play for Cliff Kingsbury um, in the air raid. And I think there's a certain stigma attached um, to quarterbacks who went to that school, at least for a long time. So that played into it. But in terms of the tools, like Patrick Mahomes always had them. He was just a freestyler and somebody that we saw make magic happen for a White House team that wasn't particularly good usually. And then Patrick Mahomes made them a state contender. So that one kind of makes sense if you think about the baseball angle with it. Jalen Hurts like went to freaking Alabama. He wasn't I don't think he was underrated or under recruited. He just was somebody that we had questions about his ability to throw the football and consistent yeah. defenses. And if you remember his first couple of years at Alabama, as amazing as it was and as good as he looked, like that was the main criticism of him. Yeah, I remember I remember the 2017 Iron Bowl when I was covering Auburn at the time and talking to defensive coaches was that the the the, the book on Jalen Hurts was we do not expect him to throw many passes downfield. I mean, a lot of screens and a lot of stuff thrown behind the line of scrimmage. The coaches at Alabama just don't trust him to push the ball down the field at this point in his career. And sure enough, show up to that game and watch it. And Jalen Hurts looked like a mid to below tier quarterback in that game specifically against the Auburn Tigers, which ended up winning that game. But I was going to say, I mean, it wasn't just Alabama. Like if you if you go to his last Big 12 game at Oklahoma, Oklahoma's playing Baylor in the Big 12 championship game and Jalen threw a pretty bad pick early on in the game and after that like Lincoln Riley put the governor on him like didn't really allow him to push the ball downfield Oklahoma had him run a ton at the end of that game and they closed it with a win but not because of Jalen's arm so like even like his senior year of college when he put up those really gaudy numbers for Oklahoma there were still moments where you wondered if it would ever really click for him as a passer and like give him all the credit in the world like he is one of the great improvement projects we've ever seen at the quarterback position he's a i mean he's still i still don't think he's an elite nfl passer he's an elite nfl quarterback because of what he brings with his run his legs and what he brings from an intangible perspective but he's still getting better as a passer but for him to even be an above average nfl passer which is what he is now is remarkable when you think about what he was just a couple years ago at oklahoma this is just 
a really impressive story of a person who's just managed to get better year after year. And that's why I would never try to put a ceiling on Jalen Hurts. But I think when you think about that in context, it makes sense why Jalen would have only, and I put only in quotation marks, only been the hundred number 104 player in the country and the number one <laughs> quarterback for 24-7 sports. He was obviously like very well respected by the 24-7 sports scouting department. But like you had legitimate concerns that NFL teams had for him. Otherwise, he wouldn't right. have slipped for the back half of round two. That's the other thing that gets lost in this. And we always have to tell people this when it comes to recruiting. Three-star players are really, really, really good players too. Not a lot of players get to be three stars. There's a heck of a lot more unrated and, of course, two-star guys that don't even necessarily get that that big look. Yeah, I mean, think about how many, like, I, I bet they're, like, across high school. I think I was reading a Wright Thompson story the other day about Joe Montana. Mm-hmm. He said, I think he speculated there are 6,000 high school quarterbacks every year that start. So Jalen Hurts was one of the top five high school quarterbacks in America that year per 24-7 sports. Like, that's quite a compliment. Um, and even a three-star quarterback is quite a compliment. So people just need to remember that there's always context with this. And while three-star might seem insulting next to a bunch of four and five stars, it's really like we're considering a three-star somebody who can eventually go on to the NFL. Right. It's just like you're less likely to do so based on your traits than somebody ranked ahead of you. But that doesn't mean you can't make it. Right. And that proves itself in, in the names and the numbers that we were talking about earlier in this show. You're a three-star guy. You've got a shot to get in the NFL. And the, the majority of rosters are not two-star guys or unrated guys. They're three stars and above, guys that were identified as potential future NFL players. And of course, you don't want to be a four- or five-star guy to get to that point. Much more on the Super Bowl and recruiting after this. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You talked earlier about how it's difficult to kind of look and, and, and I guess adjust ratings and properly, I guess, project what an offensive lineman might look like in the future. And I think that that obviously proves true. I mean, I'm not heavily involved in recruiting. Obviously, you're not, you know, grading these players yourself. But why do you think that personally that it's so difficult to to label someone and be able to project that they'll end up being an NFL starter on offensive line? Because I think a lot of us would sit back there from 30,000 foot view and go, well, that guy's, you know, 320 pounds, six foot seven guy strong. Looks like he's got good movement. You could develop that. That's a four-star guy. That's a five-star guy. And that's not always the case. 
I think there's, I mean, offensive line is so difficult for a number of reasons. One of my former colleagues, Charles Power, wrote a couple pieces about this during his time, just talking about the different paths for high school offensive linemen and evaluating them. And for example, I'm looking at a tweet he had from 2019, the NFL draft then, and there were four offensive linemen drafted in the first round. In high school, they were 296 pounds, 235 pounds, 240 pounds, and 240 pounds. Yeah. A 200, you see a 240 pound offensive lineman, you're thinking, like, why the heck is that kid so skinny? He's not going to hold up. But, like, it takes time for bodies to mature and develop. And bodies change a ton, especially when you're that big over time once you get into college strength and conditioning program. And oftentimes, the guys that are 330 pounds as high schoolers don't move particularly well. The sure bets I am thinking of, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Alabama offensive tackle on the first round last year. Um, Evan Neal. Evan Neal. He yeah. was he is the exception. He was like 330 pounds in high school and had like a four four shuttle and the 20 yard uh, shuttle. And that doesn't happen. Like when you're that big, you don't move that well. <laughs> so what you're doing as an offensive line projection is you're looking for smaller guys a lot of the time who you can put weight on, who end up keeping their athleticism and their lateral quickness and their strength once you build it out. So it's a very difficult thing to project how somebody's body is going to grow over time. And I think 24-7 sports, if you talk to our recruiting guys, has changed the way we evaluate that position. But um, I think a perfect example of that is Jason Kelsey. We talked about him earlier, yep. um, future Hall of Fame center. I think people should remember that coming out of high school, he was a not ranked recruit, but that's because he walked on at Cincinnati as a yes. running back. Like he was a high school running back and linebacker. He was like 235 pounds when he got to Cincinnati. And eventually his natural traits, which are his ability to get to the second level and his ability to pull came to the forefront once he put on weight and got on the strength and conditioning program. But like, it's impossible to project that out of high school. Lane Johnson, um, their all pro right tackle for the Eagles was a high school quarterback at 1A football in Texas. He eventually went to junior college, gained a bunch of weight, became a tight end, got to Oklahoma, put on more weight and became an all pro tackle in the NFL. But like, there's no way to project a high school 1A quarterback is going to become one of the all time tackles um, in the NFL. And that's what makes that position so difficult to evaluate, which is why you're going to see more misses at that position than any other. But I want to say at the same time, like you look at that Eagles offensive line. Yeah. The other two people starting, we mentioned Jordan Maleta, who did not play in college as a rugby player. The other two people on that line were five-star recruits. So it's not like the recruiting industry always misses on those offensive linemen, but it's just really hard to consistently hit on them given the maturation process they must go through. Yeah. And I'm always fascinated. I'm sure, sure like a lot of people are the players who end up changing positions, moving around. Um, you mentioned, of course, the Kelsey brothers, you know, obviously not that long ago, Julian Edelman, Edelman who started a quarterback in, in college and then became just the ultimate postseason receiver for the New England Patriots, winning a Super Bowl MVP, winning three Super Bowls. And by the way, won those three Super Bowls in his best postseasons. Uh, catching the ball and is now second all time in postseason receiving yards. And he started his career off as a quarterback in college. And he always is typically like the, you know, the same type of positions, right, Chris, that, you know, a tight end, usually it's a guy who is an quote unquote oversized receiver, puts some more weight on. So has that, that, uh, the athleticism mobility, um, sometimes you see some pass rushers move to tight end or a tight end move to pass rushers. Um, you know, listen, you, we've seen all pro uh, Jason Peters, he went from defensive tackle to offensive tackle to tight end 
back to offensive tackle throughout his career from college all the way to the NFL and is certainly one of the best we've seen here in the last 15 to 20 years in the NFL at that position. But it's it's just it's fascinating to watch these guys because as you mentioned, I think a lot of us forget these are kids in in college. They're still maturing, their bodies are changing and you know, sometimes we see these before and after photos in these strength programs, but I don't know about you, Chris, but over the years when you're actually like covering these kids and you see them in person from like their freshman year to maybe even just their end of their sophomore year or junior year, they're almost unrecognizable sometimes. And this is for guys playing all positions. Yeah, I really w- my favorite transformation is I really wish people could see a picture of a player exiting their high school senior season. And then after just like six months on college, not even yeah. by the time they finish, but that first six months, especially if you're an offensive or defensive lineman, the amount of weight and muscle you put on in a short amount of time, like getting in a college nutrition and strength program, you change so much. And it makes people tough to evaluate. Like, I, I, I know they're not playing the Super Bowl, obviously, but Malachi Coleman, who's going to Nebraska, he's a wide receiver. He's 6'5", like 210, going to play wide receiver for them. But he's projected to grow to 6'8", and he could easily put on 40 pounds once he starts eating consistently in that strength and conditioning program. We're talking about stories of players who change positions, like Hassan Reddick might be the best defensive player in this football game. He's a all-pro edge rusher for the Eagles. He was a high school safety. He went to Temple as a safety. He moved a linebacker under Matt Rule. Matt Rule moved him to defensive ends on the line with his hand in the ground because he put on even more weight. So he played three different positions in college and now he's one of the best mm-hmm. edge rushers in football. You just change over time and good athletes are good athletes and that's why colleges put such a premium on getting the best athletes in the building. Like you're trusting yourself to coach them up. But as long as they have special traits you kind of worry about where they're going to fit later because they still have those special traits. And I think you're seeing 24-7 sports as evaluation and players shift to that line of thinking uh, pretty hard over the last couple of years. I wanted to end with this to just talk about Patrick Mahomes. And you got to watch him, as you said, through from high school, through college, and of course now with all of us in the NFL. I mean, we've all made the comparison. He looks like a point guard out there. I mean, he just creates and does crazy things that seem impossible. It's almost like he's just dumping passes and kind of shot-putting stuff, almost like a point guard throwing the the ball around the key or into the post. Why is he able to do it and everybody else can't? And why? I mean, we see so many people try to replicate that and imitate it. Heck, even Caleb Williams, who's phenomenal, is able to do it sometimes, but no one does it like Mahomes. Why is that? And do you think... Uh, quarterbacks should be trying to take on the Mahomes role or should they be cutting back on that and hurting their development? What do you think? I mean, I think it's a number of things. That's why Patrick Mahomes is able to do that. I think Caleb Williams is as close as we've gotten in recent memory to somebody who can do a lot of the same things. I mean, just from a talent perspective, Patrick Mahomes um, is special, clearly. Um, He has the arm strength. um, That's probably top three in the world. Um, I've seen him throw a ball from his knees like 70 yards with no problem. And he's also got arm elasticity. Um, And by that, I mean the ability to, obviously, as we see every week, the ability to throw from different arm slots, the ability to move his body kind of like a pitcher and still put the ball, I mean, which makes sense given his dad's profession. 
his former profession, former professional baseball player, his ability to throw from all arm angles and different slots and off platform makes him extraordinarily unique. Very few quarterbacks are capable of doing that. He's also a good athlete. He's probably like a four seven guy in the 40. That certainly helps him. Um, but he's also whip smart. Like there's a reason like you don't succeed at quarterback without seeing the field in a really special way. And Patrick Mahomes, this is the thing that gets lost for him. Like he wouldn't be who he is if he didn't see the field like he does. The reason why he slipped in the draft is because people worried about his tendency to go off schedule so frequently. And that's what Cliff Kingsbury allowed him to do at Texas Tech. But if you put him in structure, which we've seen this year without Tyreek Hill, um, he's been exceptional because he reads defenses so well and can distribute the ball to a number of places. And then finally, like this is something you touched on earlier, Patrick Mahomes is so successful because he's with one of the best offensive coordinators or offensive coaches ever in Andy Reid. Yep. And not everybody is as fortunate to go to the situation he did where he got to sit behind Alex Smith for a year and learn. And then he was put in a system with a coach who accented all of his many strengths and he also had the benefit of playing with one of the best receivers of his generation and Tyree Kill for a long time and arguably the best tight end of all time and Travis Kelsey. So you put all those factors together and we have what was at one time just a kid from White House, Texas and the arguably I'm not going to say the greatest quarterback of all time, but he's on his way to being in that discussion, a quarterback who could be in the argument to be the greatest quarterback of all time by the time his career is done. Super Bowl Sunday, Philadelphia Eagles, Kansas City Chiefs in Arizona, Glendale, 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. That'll be on Fox this Sunday. My thanks to Chris Hummer for joining me to talk about the Super Bowl and the players involved and where they stood as recruits and how they developed since then. For our producer, Lance Lynn, I'm Brendan Marcello. You've been listening to the College Football Daily. We'll see you down the road. 